Greetings and welcome to the Golf Betting System Podcast 125. This is our PGA Championship Research Preview Podcast. This podcast is for listeners of 18 and above. Please be gamble aware. I'm Steve Bamford, PGA Tour Previewer at Golf Betting System. And with me, we have Golf Betting System's European Tour expert, Paul Williams. Good morning, Paul. Morning, Steve. How are you doing? Well, we're recording this at 7 in the morning UK time, so I'm just about out of bed. <laughs> yeah, not bad. Avoiding the heat of the day today. It's going to be like yeah, it's, very true. it's going to be like Memphis over here today in the UK. My wife's already done her two and a half mile run this morning to avoid that heat. Get it out of the way. Visit Golf Betting System with betting previews containing tips, masses of tournament statistics, and our predictor model, all available completely free of charge. Please subscribe to this podcast and drive the popularity of the show. We are available on social media. On Twitter, Paul is at Golf Betting. I am at Bamford Golf. You can join our Golf Betting System Facebook group. The link is available in the description box. Plus, look out for the Steve Bamford Golf YouTube channel where I present the Golf Betting Show every week. Please take time to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. That's iTunes in old money. That is the podcast currency and drives our listener numbers continually upwards. As ever, for those of you who leave a review, I will read them out at the start of next week's show. We've got a short show here, so I'll read out just one for you. This is titled The Best Five Stars. You just won't find better stats and info on PGA and Euro Golf. Paul is always strong with long shots, plus they're British. So everything they say is hilarious and also smart. This is this is from Peter Butt, B-U-T-T, and he lives in the United States of America. Thank you very much, Peter. I, I, I suppose we, we should probably take it as a compliment, shouldn't we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Any any five star uh, yeah. review we get, you have to take as a as a, a real massive post. So thank you, Peter Butt, for that one. That's uh, that's fantastic. Right before we crack on, as I said, it's a short short show. This one we're going to focus solely on the PGA Championship. We've been lucky enough to see the first eighteen holes yesterday of the WGC St Jude Invitational, and that's uh, that's put a few cats amongst the pigeons. I just want to highlight. Our golf betting system, golf majors competition for 2020. Now, clearly, this was due to go in April uh, at the Masters, but we've had a few issues globally since then. So, uh, we're, we're um, the, the competition is still going to happen. Clearly, it's going to start when the first tee shot of the PGA Championship occurs next Thursday. Um, we've all, we've got a scenario here where it's sponsored by Bet365. Thanks to them, they've been a um, a partner of ours on on the sponsorship front for quite a while now, and we're giving away two hundred and fifty pounds in prizes up for grabs. Uh, it's a cash prize fund as well, not free bets. The winner of the golf majors competition receives one hundred and fifty pounds or currency equivalent in cash, with additional seventy five and twenty five prizes for second and third place finishers. Paul, do you want to just quickly run through the technicalities of how the competition works? Yeah, the mechanics are quite straightforward, really, because um, all we want you to do is give us one name, one different name for each of the three remaining majors. So one for the USPGA, one for the US Open, which is in a, a month or so's time, and then one for the Masters, which is now at the back end of November, isn't it? Um, and effectively, we'll score your three entries based on their dollar earnings for those three respective 
tournaments. So you'll get a total for the PGA, you'll get a total for the US Open. And of course, you'll get a total for the for the Masters. We'll add it all together, we'll create a little leaderboard and see who is sitting at the top. So effectively, you've got to pick three players who are going to go particularly well. Ideally, three winners, but I don't think you're going to probably need three winners to, to win the uh, win the competition. Historically, when we've had four majors, you've probably got away with two wins and a you know, a couple of uh, top 10s, top 20s to uh, to complement that, and you've been there or thereabouts to win our competition. Now, clearly, as Steve said, the rules have had to be adapted for the fact that the tournaments have changed in terms of their timing, and also there's only three rather than four majors this year. So if you've already entered, um, you can amend your entries at any point up to the start of the USPGA. So... Um, whatever method you use to, to enter, just go back, back via that and resubmit. Um, or if not, if, you, if you're entering for the first time, fantastic. You can enter via Twitter. You can enter via Facebook. Um, you can enter via email. All of the details are on the website, and I'm sure Steve will also post a link to it on this. In the description, yeah. Description. Um, yep. So you've got all of the methods to, to access it via that. And of course, as Steve said, you've got right up until the first tea time at Harding Park next Thursday to make your selections. Once the first tea shot has been struck, that's it. Locked for the season. So make your decisions and picks very carefully. It's a great competition. Mm. So uh, get involved on that one, yeah, guys. Absolutely. Yeah, and thanks to Bet365 for sponsoring, which they have done, I think, for... Is, that, is it the ninth year or tenth year, something like that now? So um, it's uh, it's a long association, isn't it? Really good. Good, good guys. Right. World Golf Championship FedEx Jude St Jude oh, FedEx St Jude Invitational. What a mouthful. Anyway, <laughs> it's in the books. Um, I'm just going T two green statistics. Number one, Brooks Kepka, eight under, four point six four strokes gained T to green. Next, Victor Hovland. There's a surprise. Uh, third, Graham McDowell. That is a surprise. Fourth, Ricky Fowler. Fifth, Justin Thomas. Sixth, Sergio Garcia. And seventh, Sun Kang. Five under from nowhere from Sun Kang. I know Brendan Todd's up there as well. And your your selection at a rather juicy price, Mr. Ches. Reavy. Jason Day was playing really nicely tee to green yesterday as well. Yeah, it's always you, you can pick the bones out of 18 holes, but it also does start to give you a view as to who's playing well ahead of next week's main event and uh, I guess historically tee to green and um, total drive and ball striking has been a great pointer hasn't it to performance at the uh, the PGA that's why I've kind of mentioned it straight off the bat Um, what we have with the PGA and we've had it traditionally up until last year was a WGC pretty much every year the week before and the link between that WGC and the winner of the following week's PGA is pretty massive. I mean, I'm going back to 2006, Paul. Mm. Tiger Woods, this was the week before, yeah? Tiger Woods first. 2007, Tiger Woods first. Uh, Patrick Harrington, 2008, he was 20th. Yang, 09, who will forget that? 18th. Keimer, 2010, when he won at Whistling Straits, he was 22nd at the WGC. Keegan Bradley, 15th, although Bradley, I think, from memory, was co-leader. He was, yeah. Holes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He collapsed, didn't he? Yeah, he popped up at a huge price. 2012, Rory McIlroy, the week before he won, was 5th. Duffner, 
2013 fourth. McElroy, 2014, he just won the Open first. Jason Day, 12th. Walker, 11th. Uh, Justin Thomas, he's the outlier here. 28th he finished on his outing before winning in 2017. But I believe, again, there, he was one of these guys that had been terrible with the first 36 holes, then started it, started to get it together over the weekend. So we need yeah. to be very careful and really delve into the detail at St. Jude. Uh, and then Kupka, the last two years, 5th and 4th. I mean, that, if you want some kind of trend, people that are... People that are struggling at the very bottom of the list, you know, when it comes to the leaderboard this week, are guys that you, I, you know, Matthew Fitzpatrick, for example, he's sitting in 36th spot at the moment. He was 4.37 strokes negative strokes going tee to green last week. Yeah, he was. Yeah, Yeah, it's interesting with Fitz because um, he... He must must have been on the the bourbon again on Wednesday night, Fitzpatrick. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I I think he had a pint too many on on Wednesday. I'd love to see his first round scoring average. Well, he he did recover. And it's interesting what you say about JT because the players that then develop some momentum during the course of the four days can also be a consideration. Um, yeah. At one point yesterday, Fitzpatrick was, I think he was three over through three yeah. um, and pulled it round and he finished level par, I think, in the end, didn't he? Yeah. Um, so, so clearly he started to, uh, to to pull that back. And if he if he recovers and finishes 12th, 15th, tw- you know, inside, yeah. inside the top 28, which is the, you know, the number that we've kind of arbitrarily got to from um, the last 20 years or so. 15, 20 years. But even so, I think it does show that yeah. players coming into the event with them, um, with a strong finish behind them, have got to be considered. And this is this is if there's one major where you really do need to look at the previous outings performance and consider it's that as part. Yeah, yeah, it's got to be part of the consideration and decision making process. I think. Let's talk course and let's also talk agronomy and let's talk weather mm-hmm. for next week. Clearly, we're sitting in the southeast of England in our respective houses remotely. Um, we don't know the exact weather, but we've got an idea of what's happening. TPC Harding Park, San Francisco, California. So Willie Watson and Sam Whiting designed from 1925. So um, it's an old-style classical course. 2014 renovation. That renovation included ripping up the old Poa Anua or Poana Greens and fitting brand new bent grass greens tie bent grass which they played at the WGC uh, world match play in 2015 mm. so we've seen some action here which is good fairly recent I mean 2015 only five years ago the course itself now this is up for conjecture and I, I want to be clear here on the PGA Tour uh, PGA Championship website it's being quoted as a par 70 the length, 7,234 yards. I've been anal enough to go through the whole course, add up the yardages, and it does come. Yes, that 7,234 is accurate. On the PGA Tour website right now, it's being quoted as a 7,127-yard par 71. So pick the bones. It will come out. There will be a scorecard eventually. We'll see what the reality is. Mm. Personally... I would think, logically, it's the former. It's the 70 and it's the 7,234 because 
um, you know, you need to make a stern test of this. Um, a 71 at 7,100 doesn't feel logical to me. No, and they, it, if they're trying to um, differentiate it a bit from the match play, which I, I feel the, the, the PGA um, quote feels more like the, the, um, the, the match does. play um, mm. yardage. Yeah. Generally, we're looking at a target score of around about 10 under, which I suspect with a, um, a reasonably um, attackable and scorable track, but that's turned into a par 70 and you know, reasonably stretching on a number of holes. Um, that feels about right, really. So yeah. I should really read the preview that I wrote three months ago, shouldn't I? TPC Harding Park for the 2015 WGC Cadillac match play, won by Rory McIlroy, played as a 7,127-yard par 71. There you go. But with five tees pushed back and the ninth and twelfth holes converted from par fives to par fours, the 2020 US PGA will play as a 7,234-yard par 70. There you go. I told you it was early in the morning. <laughs> that makes it comparable with, say, the classical Colonial Country Club layout in Texas. Yep. Some way, but some way shorter than Beth Page Black, the host course for last year's PGA Championship, which played as a 7,459-yard par 70. Well, this is often the case with the PGAs. They generally are stretching tracks, aren't they? I think Whistling yep. Straits as well is another one, where there's, there's surface 7,600 yards, wasn't it? And again, I know from your research piece that... Um, uh, driving distance has tended to be one of the key factors to, mm. to really delve into as well. Although perhaps less so this time because we are looking, as you say, at a 7,200-yard track. The last non-bomber to win a PGA was Jason Duffner in 2013 when they played at the very claustrophobic and short Oak Hill in New York State. Yeah. Yeah. This potentially has the ingredients to to allow that to happen again. But... Harding Park will play 100 yards longer than it did in 2015. Two par fives measure 607 yards, fourth hole, 562 yards, tenth hole. So the tenth, tenth, the, the Bombers will get to that, and the Bombers 607. They'd have to move the tee up. I mean, that's yeah, that's going to be reachable only probably to the, the likes of a Bryson DeChambeau, Rory McIlroy, and. Um, a Dustin Johnson type player. That's a, that's a dri- uh, driving an eight iron for Bryson, I think. Yeah, true. Now, Harding Park is a parkland course with holes lined out by cypress trees. The cypress trees are more picturesque than hazardous, but, and this is what we're seeing, it's a typical PGA, really. Um, fairway widths are tight. They've reduced the fairway th- widths apparently by 50% from what they play. This is a municipal course. You and I could go and play this. Mm. Um, they've reduced the, the fairway widths by 50% on some holes apparently. Um, 22 to 30 yards wide, which if you compare that to um, something like, I don't know, the, the, the Barracuda Championship that they're playing this week, in um, California, the fairway widths there are 40 plus. Yeah. <laughs> so th- this is tight, but we're seeing your typical four inch t- um, thick, gnarly bluegrass rough. It's going to be a, it's going to be a test. Um, if you're going to be flagrant off the tee, pack up, go home, miss the cut. Cause it's not going to happen. As we always say, it is your typical PGA in a certain way. I know the length of the course doesn't feel long, but long and straight opens a lot of doors at a PGA Championship. 
that's just fact. I mean, remember Brooks Kepk of the first two rounds last year, cutting corners on a load of those Beth Page dog legs, and yeah. just it was ridiculous to watch, wasn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. There's a couple of um, reachable, drivable par fours as well, isn't there? There Around are. The 340, 350 kind of number, which. Um, which clearly now, you know, a lot of these guys are getting close to that anyway. And the the, the big hitters, the Brysons out there, really are just taking these holes on um, week after week. So um, I think the, the fact that you've got these narrow fairways and, as you said, penal rough, which I suspect it will be reasonably penal, um, yeah. will be balanced by the fact that there are a couple of scoreable par fives and a couple of scoreable par fours. So. It, it's Kentucky bluegrass and they, they put a little bit of ryegrass in there to really toughen that rough up. And yeah. yeah, they reckon four inches minimum around the greens as well. So this is it. If you're going for a lot of these short uh, par, the two par fours and you're, you know, you're, you're air mailing it left or right or over the back, you've got some nasty chips coming back as yeah. well. So it's going to be, it's going to be interesting. Now, Another thing that's slightly up for debate, but I've had a chat with various individuals um, and we're pretty consistent on this, although it's difficult. There's also some local stuff online that suggests that this is correct. Don't know the percentage, but we're looking at... um, I heard Mark Inwoman the other week saying that definitely Poana are in these greens and he'd visited the site recently. Um, they were pure bent grass in 2015. Tyee bent grass, which is a new one on me, and you said this to me. Jim Furyk made a com- comment back in 2015 that the bent, this particular Tyee bent grass back then was really, really grainy. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't your Augusta National smooth bent grass. No, it was grainy and slow, wasn't it? And it, they, they yeah. did comment that it was it was relatively slow for a uh, for a PGA Tour setup, particularly a PGA Tour setup on bent as well, which. Um, you know, you'd expect, mm. particularly for a major, then to be getting what thirteen out of it. I guess on the stint somewhere in that region. Yeah. Um, but it looks like it was closer to eleven, which is which is pretty slow for a PGA Tour. I'm sure they'll get them faster for this, and there hasn't been a lot of rain in the area, and we have got a question on that. I'll get back to that in a short while. Um, but yeah, Tyee bent grass, and I'm pretty certain now that there will be um, some Poana within that. So I think we're looking bent grass, poana, greens. Are you having your breakfast? It's red hot, Steve. I've got a glass of water with some ice in it. Hot water? <laughs> Cold water. <laughs> so bent grass, I'm just going to move it. Bent grass, poana, greens. Now that does bring us on to a question we received on Twitter yesterday. This is from... At F Golf Guy, he lives in Derbyshire, England. So thanks for the question, Golf Guy. Would be good to know how much rain has fallen and hence firmness of the course. Firm and fast courses will help to narrow it down, find value. It's a very, very good point. Had a good dig yesterday. Um, May, 13 millimetres of rain. June, 5 millimetres of rain. July, couldn't find any well, rain. That's not a lot, is it? So the only way that course and the forecast is just dry, dry, dry. There's no chance of any rain in the build in the build up or during the tournament, apparently. So this golf course is purely being manipulated by the superintendent and by Kerry Haig, who uh, runs the, the the course setup for the PGA of America. Um, it looks very lush at the moment, but it would do. You know, we're looking at a golf course that's four or five days before the pros turn up to play it. 
Um, they can control that golf course. They can make that as firm as fast as they want. Yeah. I don't knowing the PGA. The, the 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 one I do remember that was particularly fast was Justin Thomas's win at Quail Hollow. Those greens were absolute lightning at the at the um, at the thing. And Kerry Hay always says he he likes to enhance a golf course. He like he wants it to play to its total potential. So he's not a manipulator. It's not like the U.S. Open where he play they play with it and they just muck around and make it as difficult as they can to try and get the winning score uh, to a level that they want it to be. He wants Haig, he likes to just make the course be the star and play to its full potential. And if that's eight under or if that's 15 under, that's just the way it goes. Yeah, although, they, you know, as we know, they do tend to be far more scorable, don't they? If, if, a, yeah. if a US Open's a level par kind of target... No, then not going to happen, is no, it? No, a US, a US PGA's a, a 10 under, they're, you know, give or take a couple of shots, isn't it? Yeah, anything eight under up to... Tw- if it's raining and soft, you know, 15s and 16s. Um, I've just got some statements here as well from the 2015. In fact, this was this statement I'm about to read was from the PGA Championship media conference that happened quite recently. Mm. Um, it's from Brooks Kepka, And Brooks was basically saying that this is a big boys golf course. It's a big boy golf course. You have to be able to hit it long. It's very difficult. It's a major championship golf course. You know that. You look at this finish will be interesting. I think it will be a great finish. You look at the back nine, starting on about 13, 14, it gets really interesting. You're going to see a lot of exciting golf. There's plenty of holes where you can have a few disasters. Um, You know the rough is going to be thick. You know what you're going to get. You have to be able to hit it far and you have to be able to hit it straight. That's from the mouth of defending champion Brooks Kepka. Mm. And it was interesting. A lot of the um, a lot of the comments back from 2015 were talking about the uh, the fact that better drivers were mm. the players that should be um, excelling on this particular course. And I, I looked at the the flyover yesterday. All of the 18 holes and. Um, just to reacquaint myself really with the track because we haven't yep. seen it for five years. And it struck me that a lot of the holes, and it is a classical design, isn't it? It's, it's, there's a lot of dog legs. But generally, the holes are shaped from right to left and a lot of the scoring holes are going to require that kind of draw, draw. shot shape from a, from a right-hander, um, which I think will bring a, 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 you know, a certain type of player into the mix here. And, you know, you, you could, you could infer that, you know, look, let's look straight at Augusta National as a, as a, um, as a comparable course, but the, you know, there's going to be plenty of players who can play a draw and there's going to be plenty of players who, who will struggle with that shot shape and, uh, and, and will be losing it right either out of bounds or into some, some deep and, uh, and gnarly this, rough. This is from Bubba Watson. 2015. The golf course is so long that some of the greens are really bouncing right now. It's only the first day and you're getting some big bounces, even with sand wedges. And the golf course sets up good off the tee for me, as long as I hit my driver well. Mm. There's a lot of cut shots, bearing in mind he's a lefty. So it sets up good for me. Keegan, who he was playing in the match play, he's a long hitter, likes to draw the ball, so I think this golf course is going to suit him. It does favour the draw. Mm. That's, there's no doubt about that. And this is from Gary Woodland. The golf course suits me really well. It allows me to hit driver, which is good. 
and it just sets up well for my eye. For me to hit driver, if I drive it in the fairway, I'm turning a lot of holes into birdie holes. Mm. Good drivers of the golf. I mean, is it, that is a typical PGA Championship trait, isn't it? Long and yeah. straight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And as you say, with with fairways that are just 22 yards in some spots, it is going to be quite tight. So, uh, so I think those those guys that can keep it in the cut and prepared are going to be the ones to really really focus on for next week. All of this information we're referring to is available in my preview piece, which I've put a link through in the description box. But if you want to come and find it, it's going to be at golfbettingsystem.co.uk. Just type golf betting tips, golf betting system. Paul will make sure that it's available on the homepage to click through to. Um, I'm just comparing here. This, these were last year's season stats. 2019, Rory McIlroy and Gary Woodland. And you think to yourself, well, how do they compare when they're playing at their peak? McIlroy, Woodland, both had fantastic years. I mean, Woodland's year was a career best. Driving distance last year, second, 13th. So I'm McIlroy the first number, uh, Woodland the second. Dri- driving distance, all drives. First for McIlroy, 17th for Woodland. Total driving. I know that a lot of our American buddies hate the statistic total driving, but let's throw it in, shall we? Total driving, eighth for Rory McIlroy, second for Gary Woodland. Greens in reg, 39th and 28th. Going for the green, you, you, know, you said two drivable par fours, yeah, 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 yeah. second and 13th. Ball striking, 15th and 7th. This one really grabbed me. Fairway proximity. Seventh and twelfth. Yeah, they're they're almost like copies of each other. These two players, and they both made the final of the WGC. Yeah. Proximity from one fifty to one seventy five, six and thirty second. Proximity one seven five to two hundred, fourth and twentieth. Proximity from over two hundred yards, so long irons and and out from there. Eighteenth and first. Strokes gained off the tee first. And 19th, strokes gained on approach with those irons, 12th and 20th. That's the kind of makeup I'm looking for from a player next week for next week on their season-long stats, if we can get a good view of them. Yeah. Tie that in with someone that's hitting tons and tons of greens this week at St Jude. I don't think you're going to be a million miles away. Yeah, yeah, kind of top thirty position this week to to get a tick in that box would be nice, mm. and then um, you can start to whistle it down in terms of those who are good um, in all the other aspects that we're we're talking through. I guess. Um. Driving distance. These are the driving distances of the winner of the PGA Championship for the season that they won the PGA. Right? Kepka three oh nine. Kepka three one three. Thomas twenty seventeen three ten. Walker three oh one when he won in twenty sixteen and Bolter's role. McElroy three oh six. McElroy twenty three twelve. Keegan Bradley three oh one. So apart from Duffner, we also we mentioned him at the top. Every winner since 2011 has averaged well over uh, has averaged over 300 yards off the tee on their PGA PGA Tour statistic, yeah, mm-hmm. for the season. Players with less than 300 yards driving right now, yeah, 295 to 300 yards. Jason Day surprised me. Abraham Anser, I'm talking notable players here. Louis Oosthuizen, Tyrrell Hatton, who I've seriously got in mind for this. Justin Rose, Webb Simpson. 
Colin Morikawa. Sub 295 yards, Ricky Fowler. That really surprised me. Patrick Reed, that surprised me. Matthew Fitzpatrick, Branch Snedeker, Kevin Nahr, Ian Poulter, Matt Kuchar. If I haven't mentioned a name, they've all got an average over 300 yards. So there's some players in there that I, you know, we just said at the top, Jason Day. But then, I mean, this might change, and it's based on a, on a, on a limited amount of tournaments this year because of clearly the COVID break. So these stats are still kind of developing in a way compared to where they would be usually. Yeah. And this, 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 we do have a challenge this year because you know one of the one of the other stats you can look at, and I forget, I mean, you, you, I'm sure you'll know the exact number, but um, a lot of PGA Championship winners in the recent past have already won a tournament in the year leading up to their to their victory. Was it was it eight in ten something like that? I oh yeah, the last ten. Yeah, remember you quoted me a number yesterday. Which again, if you're trying to whittle down a field, that's a, a, a great angle to start with. But we've had a three plus month break in the middle of the year this year, which it was taken what 12, 13 tournaments out of the equation, and clearly that trend is there to be um, to be smashed. Yeah, it, yeah. In, historically, you could have looked at this particular tournament and said, well, okay, give me a player who's finished top thirty the previous week, who's won in the year. Oh look! Suddenly we're down to a a short list of eight or ten players without even having got much further. And generally, that short list has, has managed to produce the winner. So it has been historically one of the events that has been quite um, mechanical in the way that you can you can work through and, and yeah. pick the bones out of it. Completely agree with that. We need to be careful with these trends, and it's yeah. very easy to follow trends, and all of a sudden, someone that's just off the radar that's missed out on one of those things that you you yeah, said yeah, is, yeah. Mu- is a must-have pops up and wins. Yeah, totally agree. Um, but anyway, it makes a show, doesn't it? <laughs> the way it is. Makes a show. Now, so we've said long and straight. We've said great ball strikers. We've said guys that can hit the ball close from proximity from the fairway, and there's some other key statistics in there to look at. I think it's worth mentioning before we get towards the the close of the show, this link between previous outing and what those particular players that went on to win the PGA did. And there's a definite, definite view here that on their previous outing, you want someone that hit plenty of greens and was excellent from with strokes going tee to green. Yeah. I'll again. I won't read through all the numbers. I'll refer you to the to the preview document, the golf betting system. But I mean, I'm just looking. Say Martin Keimer, twenty second. He finished at the Bridgestone. He was fifteenth for greens in regulation. He was eighth that week for strokes gained tee to green. And the list just goes on and on to Brooks Kepka last year. He finished fourth at the Byron Nelson, which was his lead up tournament. Um, he was finished that tournament eighth for greens in regulation and sixth for strokes gained tee to green. He flew from Texas to, to uh, Bethpage Black and won. Yep. Now, we're in a world pool. I just thought I'd throw this in as well. First time major winners recently and their prices when they've won. Because we're in a world where we've got a lot of good names at the top of the betting that haven't won a major. John Rahm, 12-1. to 1. We've got Bryson DeChambeau. I don't know what's going on at 888 Sport or Unibet. They've priced him up. Priced him up at eight to one to win the PGA. Not taking many chances, are they? That is just uh, that's a shocker. But anyway, never won a major. Bryson, um, he's genuinely ten to twelve to one. Uh, Xander, 
could be very, very popular next week. Xander's a 25 to 1 shot if he went to bet Fred right now. Patrick Cantlay, 28 to 1. So I just wanted to. Uh, Colin Morikawa, who's been an absolute revelation this year, 33 to 1. Uh, you could throw Victor Hovland in the mix, 50 to 1. I just wanted to look at what prices first time winners have won at recently. So I went back to 2016. And I'll just read. I mean, it's just good background, I think, for, for punters. 2016, Masters, Danny Willett, 66 to 1. 2016, US Open, Dustin Johnson. He was a 16 to 1 shot. That's the shortest price, as you'd probably guess. Stenson at the Open, 2016. He was 33s. Jimmy Walker was 150 to 1 when he won the PGA in 2016. 2017, Brooks Kepka's first major. He won that at 50 to 1. Uh, 2017 PGA Championship. That was Justin Thomas. He won that at 45 to 1. See, isn't it isn't if you just look at this trend, it isn't shouting Bryson DeChambeau at eight to one, is it? <laughs> no, well, in the context of the first time winner, no. Um, Patrick it, Reed, fifty to one. Francesco Molinari, thirty-three to one. Equally, Gary Woodland, yeah. eighty to one. Shane Lowry, seventy to one. They're, they're not four hundred to one winners, are they? That's the point. They're, they're, no. they're, they're first time winners who you could have made a case for, but you'd have had to take a, a kind of a leap of faith to a certain degree that they're going to be able to hold it together when when push comes to shove. Apart but, from apart from DJ though, they wouldn't have been at the top of the the actual betting board, would no, they? No, no, that's no. that's the point here. No, 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 they'd have been yeah, kind of twentieth, thirtieth down the list somewhere in that kind of breath. So mentally, those individuals have got some kind of expectation on their shoulders arriving at the golf course because they know you know they're in with a great chance. I don't know. I, I just I'm trying to get the mental aspect of a player's price, what they won at. Hmm. I don't know. It's interesting. That to me would push me more towards a Zando at a twenty-five to one price point that fits more than it would to a Bryson at nine to one. Yeah, I can see that. I can see that. I thought that was interesting. I mean, you got Tyrrell Hatton, fifty to one, and Hatton is playing some fantastic golf right now. Again, decent tee to green performance yesterday. We always talk about Mark Leishman. Mark Leishman's got the game to win a major. You know, yeah. 66. You wouldn't be surprised, would you? 66 to 1? No, Leishman's no, no. Popped no, up. no. He's, he's a strange one to try and call Leishman, isn't he? And mm. the, the other point that got me with, um, with with PGA history was, again, looking at the world rankings of the players, eight of the last yep. 10 winners were inside the top 21 in the world at the, at the time of winning, which, again, points to players who... You know, aren't going to be a complete shock should they win. Yet you're not necessarily talking about the players right at the very, very top of the uh, the, the betting for this. Let's run through your analysis then. It's a perfect time to run through it. You did some excellent analysis yesterday. Yeah, I I guess there are different ways to try and cut this, aren't there? And I looked at the field as it stood yesterday, and there have been some changes overnight. So we're going to need to update the, uh, the the data that's sitting on the on the website at the moment. And if you do want an early view of those players who've played well at the PGA Championship in the past, and also um, their current form up to, but not including how they're doing at the, uh, the FedEx St Jude and to the Barracuda, etc., uh, then that's all live on the website at the moment. So you can you can flick through the stats section and find that. But if you take the field as it was of 154 and then start to whittle it down, um, and based on the facts that are sitting in Steve's um, preview, effectively, 
So by taking out players who are sitting at sub 290 yards of the tee, those that aren't up to, well, I've kind of cut the line at top 100 for strokes gained off the tee, but I guess you could get quite, um, quite more aggressive with that. But if you take the players out that aren't in the top 100 strokes gained off the tee, um, and likewise those that aren't in the, the top 100 for strokes gained at tee to green, you've instantly taken down the field from 154 down to 101. So you've locked a third out at that point. Um, going back historically again to the start of, I think you did to 2002, no one outside oh, wow. the top uh, top 108 has won the PGA Championship. We talked about the ones, um, you know, eight out of the last 10 that were in the top 21 for the world. And um, going back further and expanding it out, You've got to have been there or thereabouts with the top 100. So again, yep. just just taking that, and I've, I've I've pushed that out to the top 150 so that you don't uh, you don't remove someone who's arbitrarily sitting at 109th or 114th and uh, <laughs> goes through and win. And um, you take those guys out, um, you're down to a field of 74, um, and then you need to get a little bit more aggressive with it. Um, we know it's a classical track. We know it's going to be bent grass with some poana in it. Um, playing or taking out players who haven't got a strong performance on classical tracks and bent power tracks. And these are the kind of stats that will form part of our predictor model next year and uh, next week. Um, yep. So you'll be able to cut and dice um, these aspects to your heart's content on the predictor. But we've taken an early view of that um, and taken out those who haven't got a strong or a strong enough performance on classical tracks in the past on bent power tracks also going for the green, and we mentioned this a second ago, I think you're going to need to be aggressive Massive. on those two par, five, mm. two par fives. And those two par fours are going to be attackable. Um, mm. And clearly some players are going to, going to opt to take an iron and a, and a wedge into the green. Other mm. players are just going to pick the driver up every time and have a proper crack at that. Yeah. And uh, I think to score around here, you are going to need to take advantage of some of these holes. Um, and... If you can achieve that by by taking a wedge to it, then fantastic. If you are taking a chance and pulling it off, um, yeah, more times than not, then I think you're going to be able to compile quite a decent total over the car over course of the um, course of the week. Now, all of those aspects in, put those into the mix, and I came down to a final shortlist of. 16 players. No, 16 players. 16. <laughs> just, just, just 16. Um, and it's clearly 16 is too many, but I'll read you the names because it's interesting to see how much this correlates in the end with what we'll actually see over the top 20 or 30 next week in the final analysis. So in yep. terms of, and let's, I tell you what, let's order it um, based on world ranking. That's the easiest one, one to... Uh, to rationalise it with um, John Rahm Rory McIlroy Justin Thomas Bryson DeChambeau Patrick Cantlay Colin Morikawa Tommy Fleetwood Tony Finnell are those players who sit inside the top 20 of the world at the moment so that stat we'll be talking about top 21 in terms of 8 of the last 10 that's the 8 names that fit that criteria also outside of the top did Tony, Tony Finnell won this Paul after the last few weeks and months, Tony Finau pops up and wins the PGA. Uh, yes. And nobody's on him. 
I think he'll have his take. He's, he's got, you know, he's, he got, will, he's, yeah. he's got some got some good form. In well, he's got the game. We know that. He's got yeah, the he's got perfect game. game for this. Yeah, yeah. Go on. He's, he's Sorry. Take a chance with him each way. So they're, they're the players that sit inside the top 20 um, of the world right. and fulfil all of the criteria that I just talked through um, briefly. Mm. Outside of that, Hideki Matsuyama, Paul Casey, Daniel Berger, Sergio Garcia, Ryan Palmer, Bubba Watson, Joachim Neiman, and finally Cameron Champ. So, for long shots, potentially first-round leaders, potentially out of those lists, yeah, maybe, maybe. Ryan Palmer, who likes a fast start, could be a first-round yeah, leader. I, I, I said to you yesterday, Palmer, it, when I'm looking at courses and, and looking at people that have done well here in the past and golf courses that we know and love, you know, that we cover every year, mm. Palmer's name just kept coming into the back of my mind because a lot of the golf courses he's done well at, and don't forget he was second a couple of weeks ago at the Memorial. Um, I'm not suggesting that Ryan Palmer can win a major. <laughs> he struggles to win anything. Um, but if you're going to take 10 places each way with a bookmaker next week, if, if these guys are running 10 places, yeah. um, I don't think Palmer's a bad, you know, to, to backdoor a top 10 in a major. Yeah, I can see that on a golf course like this. I yeah. can definitely see it. Brilliant at Torrey Pines. And there's a big link between Torrey Pines and here. Yeah, um, Yeah, I can see Palmer. Yeah, you, you mentioned Champ. I followed Champ very closely at the uh, memorial a few weeks ago. I put him up for the work day or one of them, and he just to me, you look at his game. He, he's just a he's just a if you can bully a golf course, Cameron Champ. He just hasn't got the skills around the greens, or I, I think he'd struggle on a on a classical major layout right now. Yeah, I mean, one of the interesting names there I thought was Sergio Garcia, given that yeah, he, yeah, yeah. Played quite yes. nicely yesterday, and okay, yeah. you know, take take one round with a pinch of salt. We're talking the first day of uh, the FedEx and Jew, but he's sitting in ninth spot with a three under first round. Mm. And uh, again, you're talking about a track that um, you know theoretically should suit him very nicely. He was third off the tee, and he was in his standard top six tee to green, and he only lost half a stroke on the on the greens, which mm. is why he's sitting there at three under. Yep. And that's Sergio, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Definitely. I don't think this will be a putting contest. No. No, no, I think you're right. A major's ever a putting contest? No. But if you're hitting it long, straight off the tee, which Sergio is, and you've got your irons in, I think he's live, isn't he, Garcia? Yeah, quite quite possibly. Quite possibly. I think one of the the interesting names um, from the first batch of eight there was Colin Morikawa. And I know we had a question on Twitter didn't we exactly relating to um, who we thought out of the um, three young guns out of Morikawa, yeah. Covell and Wolf would um, would be the, the, the most likely performer here and I, you know statistically I don't think you can look past Colin he's, he's clearly he's, was he up to 12th in the world now he's, he's absolutely flying isn't he Davey Chapman in Manchester thanks for the uh, question Davey how do you rate the chance of the current young stars Morikawa, Hovland Wolf, I'm with, I'm with you, Paul. Morikara by a mile. Yeah. yeah. The trouble with Hovland is, and we all know this, his short game is disastrous. He's working on it with with Pete Cowan, and it's improving. Um, but if he misses greens, he's in serious trouble at a major. Yeah. Um, he was second for tee to green yesterday. Yep, get that at, at St Jude, which is a tough golf course. I've got no doubt about that. Um, Morikara just seems to have the more all rounded 
game, he can scramble a little. And don't forget with Morikawa, a California lad. Yeah. So the agronomy will be perfect for him. Yeah. He's got that recent win, hasn't he? Which, you know, again, if we're looking at trends, then the 2020 win he won back at the workday, didn't he? Two or three weeks back. So some very good recent current form. And I think Hovland's work with Cowan's working. I mean, yesterday, again, he wasn't um, tearing up trees, but he was just he was just above neutral around the green. So he's, he's, he's that is a long way forward from where he was, say, at the start of this year, yeah. where he was losing, bleeding strokes around the green. Yeah. So of the three, for me, it would be Morikawa one, Hov- uh, Hovland two, and Wolf. I'd have very little interest in Wolf, to be honest. No, I think, is he making his major debut as well? I think Potentially. I've, got, I've got a feeling he uh, is. There is some wind in the forecast for next week. Anything up to 20 miles an hour? And I, I just noted with Matthew Wolf over the last few weeks, as soon as the wind blows, he starts disappearing a little bit. Mm. I mean, last week at the 3M Open, which is a pretty easy golf course, as soon as the wind picked up, Nine under he was sitting at going into the weekend. The, the wind picked up over the weekend and he kind of stagnated, didn't he? He didn't yeah, yeah. do a great deal. He's not a good wind player, Wolf. Um, Hovland and Morikara, I've got no issue, no issues with either of them in the wind. I'm not suggesting it's going to be blowing 40 miles an hour, but if we've got a firm, fast golf course. The other thing from the weather side, we haven't mentioned this, this is going to be your typical San Francisco tournament, you know. Um we're seeing temperatures nothing above 20 degrees Celsius. Mm. 18 degrees, I'm seeing, is the maximum. Yeah, so it, this is going to be like playing golf in Northern Europe. Yep. So again, that a lot of Americans will not fancy that. <laughs> they'll, they'll be wearing their bobolats. <laughs> Getting a smooth on. <laughs> I love it when they come to the open over here, and we, we go and watch, don't we? And they they walk, you know, we're one side of the rope, and they're walking right past it, and they, they look like they're shivering a lot of them. And you've got your shorts on, still. And we're there in our shorts and t-shirts. They're <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, wearing bobble hats. Mm. Uh, yeah, a lot of players won't like this, no, but no, no. I would I would refer you then. The conditions feel very like they were last year at Pebble Beach for the U.S. Open. Mm. I don't think that leaderboard's going to tell you too many lies about players that can just take blustery, northern European, coldish temperatures. And guess what? That was played sort of 150 miles down the coast from where this is. So, you know, for a player like Xander, I've got no issues. For a player like Matthew Wolfe, probably have. (laughs) Yeah. Now... Before we disappear, because I know that you've got builders turning up to start banging hell out of your house, um, I just looked at courses where Rory and Gary have both played well at. You could throw Jim Furyk in the mix. He made the top four of the WGC. I also looked at the 1995 World Golf Championship that was played here, and that was... Tiger Woods beat John Daly in a playoff. And I thought, well, John Daly, let's have a look where John Daly played well in the States, yeah? Well, of course, he won the Open at St. Andrews. Um, St. Andrews, that's where Tiger Woods won the Open twice, 2000-2005. Rory McIlroy almost won the Open in 2010 at St. Andrews. So straight away I'm thinking, "Mm, St. Andrews Good comp course, potentially. Daly. He also won at Torrey Pines in America. 
and he also won at Crooked Stick. Now, Crooked Stick hosted the 2012 and 2016 BMW Championships. And when I look at 2012, guess who won there? Rory McIlroy. Second, Phil Mickelson. Phil the Thrill. Third, Lee Westwood. Four, Tiger Woods. Six, Adam Scott, Dustin Johnson. Nine, Jim Furyk. You know, it's just, whoa. Uh, Ten, Ryan Moore. And then 2016 at Crooked Stick. One, Dustin Johnson. Two, Paul Casey. Three, uh, four, Adam Scott, Matt Kuchar. Ryan Palmer. Nine, Jordan Spieth. Ten, Billy Horschel, Chris Kirk. So I thought that was quite interesting mm. in terms of a, a, um, just a link from there from Crooked Stick. Yeah, and there's there's plenty. And again, referring back to your preview, there's a lot of um, potentially comparable courses that you could delve into. And I know there's, there's a whole list of them on your preview. So um, from here, um, punters have got two or three days to really get stuck into their homework. And uh, there's some, some good mm. pointers there to, to give you a starting point, I think. If I'm right... McElroy's only played Torrey Pines recently. He's finished third and fifth in two appearances. And you look at Gary Woodland, he's got a ninth and a tenth there. He was also a 50, I think he was a 70-hole leader there one year, and then he went bang. So Torrey Pines would seem to be a very, very strong course correlation. Of course, as we know, again, on the coast, San Francisco, Poana Green. Yeah. Uh, PGA Nationals, another one where they played a Honda Classic. Rory's finished first and second there. Gary Woodland's finished second, sixth, and eighth there. So, you know, if I'm finding players that I like that have got links to some of these golf courses, that's a real positive in my mind. Beth Page is another one. Beth Page Black. Rory's finished eighth there. Gary Woodland's finished fourth and eighth there. Tiger Woods um, is a winner at Beth Page Black. He won the 2002 US Open. So yeah, there's some bits and bobs to really go through. I think over the weekend, building up for Monday when the when the prices come out. Yeah. Is there any? I'll ask you a question, Paul. Is there anyone? I know the betting prices at the moment. We we're not seeing any real markets right now, are we? We're still seeing these no, anti post markets. Market. Who further down? I'm not even going to go to the top of the board with you because that's not your area that you like to go to. Is there anywhere in that juicy mid price range that someone's just Shouting that you're going to have to back him, or you have backed him. No, I, I, you know, I haven't. I haven't placed any bets yet, and the simple reason being, exactly as you said, this is the anti-post market, and both the additional each-way places and the proper odds will be pushed out as we work, hopefully through the back end of the weekend, but certainly towards the start of next week. The one that I've got very much in mind is mm-hmm. Ches Reevy, who. Again, started well this week and mm-hmm. has done well for us in the past at the majors. And I think mm-hmm. in terms of his sh- game shape, he'll be the kind of player that could navigate his way around Harding Park without making too many mistakes. Well, he certainly won't get into the tree trouble and rough trouble too much, will he? Yeah, no, he's straight can... as a die off the turn. Yeah, ab- absolutely. And you always tend to get a juicy price. Even if he's done... When he won last year, the Travellers after... Um, after finishing second at the US Open, didn't he? Um, or was it third? Mm-hmm. So second or third? He certainly placed for us. And um, he was sixty-six to one when he won. So clearly, that performance at you know a major championship um, didn't dampen his price massively no. um, for a regular PGA Tour event. And I suspect even if he finishes and places for us this week at St Jude, which I sincerely hope he does, I suspect we'll still get a strong three-figure price from him next week. 
Can he go bang bang? Well, he's proved it already. Can he win? Oh, you know, that's that's more of a, um, a you know, a, a tenuous point. But um, could he could he place um, with the extended places? Yeah, quite possibly. If we're talking triple digits, Shane Lowry hit the ball. He's hitting the ball so well at the moment, but he is putting like Jason Kokrag and Boo Weekly. That is the problem with. Um, with Which is unusual for Shane because Shane can be a devastating part when he's playing well. Be really, really good. The other, you know, if we're looking at this European weather kind of angle and it's going to have this marine layer in the morning, the fog, the mist, you know, the Americans in bobble hats and disappearing after 36 holes. There are two English guys that are playing some very nice golf at the moment. One is Danny Willett. Mm. He's clearly a Masters champion. And the other is Matt Wallace. Yeah, struggled a bit yesterday, Wallace. It's uh, St. Jude, but um... yeah, like we said, it's one round out yeah. of four, so that might improve. But you you can pick up Wallace right now at a hundred and ten, hundred to one. Even there's a smidgen of one twenty five out there. Yeah. And as we saw at Beth Page last year at the PGA, he was the harder the golf course plays, the better I think when Matt Wallace's chances because he's got such a great short game. And 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 as you said in the podcast this week. He just will grit his teeth and he will grind and grind on every yeah. single hole. Yeah. And eventually, that is likely to get him a top 10 finish. Oh, well, I'm sure he will. You know, he's, he's, he's going he's gonna to be a player who can perform at the tougher major championships, I'm sure. And, uh, and mentally, he comes to the party at majors and big tournaments. And we know he's a born winner. Yeah, yeah he's a very, very focused, very... Um, kind of one-dimensional in that respect um, player who just uh, I mean for me I'm not I'm not I don't want to upset people listening but people want views I would much rather take you know if I'm looking at the current market I would much rather take a Matt Wallace at a bigger price than a Matthew Wolf. it's not even doesn't even come into my psyche Mm. it's just it's an easy decision to make yeah no I can see that it's going to be Sergio. an interesting one. Sergio at 66s well, across go, yeah. the board. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting, mate. I think that just about does it, doesn't it? It's been interesting to chat. It's been like one of those conversations you'd have down the pub. Not that you'd have a conversation down the pub at 7 in the morning unless you and I are <laughs> Weatherspoons drinkers. But it's the kind of conversation that you have down the pub when you're just musing and cogitating about who you fancy for next week's major. Yep, chewing the fat. So, our major PGA Championship coverage will start next Monday. Paul will update uh, the preview with his analysis. That will go out today, Friday. Um, So, that is available in the description box. And, of course, all of this content is available at Golf Betting System. Um, It's all completely free of charge. So, um, that will go out this side of the weekend. This podcast will clearly already be out there because you're listening to it. Then on Monday, we're going to have a whole raft of statistics. The predictor model will be out. All of the tournament statistics will be out. They're all completely free of charge. My tip preview will be out. And hopefully, my golf betting show will be out on Monday as well. 
Paul, myself and Barry will be on the in the chair for the Golf Betting System podcast, which will come out next Tuesday. And then Paul and I are going to do a specific DraftKings podcast next week as well to talk through the DraftKings angle for the PGA Championship. Have, have I forgotten anything? No, it's going to be a packed old week. Oh, well, apart from the uh, the English Championship, which we got wedged in there on the European side. Oh, my Lord. There's European Tour Golf as well. <laughs> and that is just literally three miles up the road from where I live. So, yes. Indeed. Oh, okay. How are your tips doing this week? Yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. Ashley Chester's um, shot six under yesterday. Good lad. Uh, yeah, he did well. Ashley was I don't know, 90 to 180 to one side. I know I've got on him. Yeah. Um, and one of the other lads uh, shot five under. It was, uh, it's Matthew Southgate. What was Eddie Pep? What was Eddie Pepper up to? Uh, four out, four out. You we, never know, do you? You get one of two with Eddie, don't you? And uh, yeah. we, we got the negative Eddie yesterday. The- Chester's he's gravitating, isn't he? He's, he? You can see him towards the top of leaderboards recently. Yeah. So, yeah, I would not be surprised. Yeah, Chester's and the Southgate played well as well at uh, 125. Did, so, uh, yeah, got a couple of live runners in the um, Good. The, uh, the the British event. So, yeah. Looking I've good. got Ryan Moore and Stanley in the Barracuda. So, mm. we've got some runners and riders. You've got Ches in the uh, St. Jude as well. So, yeah. hopefully we've got some uh, decent uh, returns to report next week. Right, Paul, thank you for your time. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, much too. appreciated. Um, I hope your um, your bets go well across the weekend. And you thanks, thanks. Well, yeah, hopefully I could do with a win. Um, let's uh, say thank you to the listeners. We will be back with the Golf Betting System podcast next Tuesday. We look forward to uh, to your company then. Goodbye. Thank you.